Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. If you're still following, we're in the middle of season three. At some point in time, season three will have to end because that's what seasons do. They start and they end. But right now, we're going strong in the middle of season three. I'm very excited to have a guest with us on the show later on. His name is Shlemy Nelkin. You can find him on Instagram on bearded underscore review. Shlemy does video reviews of kosher wine, rum, cognac, gin, any, any other vice you can think about in a liquid form. And he also reviews Rolexes as well as cigars. He calls it like a rob report for the from community. So he'll be on with me later on to discuss this important task he's doing for our community. Just to follow up quickly on something from last episode, I really touched a spot, I think, uh, which resonated with a lot of people just when I voiced uh, my opinions on Tachina versus Chumos. There's been an outpouring of support, people reaching out, people telling me, hey, I agree with you 100%, and you know, I've never really found anybody to have an honest Tachina conversation with until you mentioned that. I'm very excited to see it. I do think we need to change the narrative. Sometimes when you go places, you'll see on a Shabbos table, you'll see some hummus and they'll put like a little circle of Tchina in the middle. You also see some hummus companies doing that. And I think, again, if it were up to us, we change the narrative to there's a big thing of Tchina and there's a small thing of hummus in the middle. Now, if you're a big hummus lover, I don't mean to offend whatsoever. I'm just stating my opinion. But from since I started the podcast, this is episode 17, I've never seen... Uh, so much enthusiasm and passion coming from my fans. And uh, if I ever do branded merch, we will start with Trina, the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, Trina. So we are a comedy podcast. That's what we try to be. But every now and then there are things in life that we have to acknowledge don't go our way. And I want to talk to you about three uh, tragedies that happened during this year's nine days and uh, they're all deeply personal and uh, I'm hoping in advance that this doesn't trigger anybody and everybody feel safe after I share these stories and the first thing is unfortunately in my house we or I experienced a dishwasher massacre situation essentially what happened was we have somebody helping us in the house and I open up the dishwasher to do to do it because my wife said, hey, can you empty the dishwasher? And it's not worth getting a fight over that. And so I say, sure, and I start emptying it. And the first thing I discover is a milchik spoon. So first thing to clarify, we only have one dishwasher. We're not the Rothschilds. We're not the Gutniks. We're not people who can afford half the stuff that Shlemy Nalkin reviews on his channel. We're just regular people. We have one dishwasher. It is for meat, it's fleshics. So I open up the dishwasher, I notice one a milchik spoon, and then I notice a milchik knife, a good knife that actually cuts because we have a lot of knives, knives that just don't cut anymore. They're just hanging around. Just like an old friend that you know, like you just, you just can't get rid of them. And so, you know, my heart starts beating and I'm like, wow, this is a great spoon and this is a great knife and I've established relationships with both of them, but I'm, I'm containing myself and I'm not letting this get get to me. And then I open up the top 
shelf within the dishwasher and I see, lo and behold, not one, not two, not three, not four, five milchik mugs that are at this point in time dead on arrival because they went through a cycle with fleshiks in it. So five mugs. And at this point, I go right into fight or flight mode. I've drank over the years hundreds of cups of coffee from these mugs and I had to take them and unceremoniously put them in the garbage. I should have buried them in the backyard, but I figured let the sanitation department deal with it, let them go take it and bury it uh, by the Boca exit where there's a big garbage mountain and uh, very difficult. And uh, we're slowly putting the pieces back together. And uh, that's just a a story. And uh, if I have any advice, it's potentially when you do open up your dishwasher, you know, expect the unexpected and go in there with an open heart and mind that whatever Hashem does is for the best. Second thing, story, this didn't happen with me. It happened with a friend of mine. He was waiting to eat food on Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos. And because he's a from Jew, for whatever reason, psychologically, he can't eat 7, 8 o'clock on Shabbos. You have to wait until Shabbos is over to eat dinner, even if Shabbos is over, like 11 o'clock by the time you're home from Shoal and check your phone 80 times. And so he's waiting, he's waiting. Matzah Shabbos comes, he opens up the fridge with a huge appetite, and he basically sees a bunch of schnitzel that he was excited to eat, but realizes that it's the nine days and he can't have it. And so he has to close the fridge, and now it's late at night and he has nothing to eat. And uh, there was a very rude awakening that he had and I'm sure this has happened to uh, you and other people. Sorry, somebody just walked into my studio. So that was the second story that happened. And um, the third, and then I was talking to my relative who this happened to, and we were thinking, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to wait until Matzah Shabbos to eat, no matter what time Shabbos ate? But maybe the rabbis should have established, like on Shabbos, you don't just have a Friday night meal. You don't just have a Shabbos day meal, but what about having a third meal? Let's just have a third meal. Like, why couldn't the rabbis have said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you guys a third meal and do it around Mincha time. I think that would be epic. The last story, and again, if, if people are just feeling a lot of pain right now, it's because it's coming through my voice and because of these incidents. The third one I will refer to as the Babka incident, and that is breaking fast on Tisha B'Av and I see a babka which looks delicious, like I almost want to break through the packaging on the fast to eat it. But then I take, a, I take a piece when the fast is over, I make a bracha, I put it into my mouth, and what I thought was chocolate, chocolate babka was poppy babka. I just want to let that sink in. So a uh, few things that came to my mind other than this is probably one of the worst days of my life is number one, when somebody makes that mistake and they, instead of buying chocolate babka, they buy a babka with poppy, um, asking, is this grounds to never talk to that person again? And I don't want to sound like very mean. I'm just saying is, this is a critical mistake. The second thing is, I want to know from the bakery and the store that made it, what the hell were you thinking? Who puts poppy in a babka? And if you do, you need to have a very, very clear disclaimer. Hey, people, you think this is chocolate? and you're going to want to eat this? No, it's poppy, and nobody wants it. And that's exactly why we made it, and we're selling it to you. So these, these three things, to recap, a dishwasher massacre, 
a relative Saturday night, very sad story. And the third thing was the Bobka incident. Now, going from one sad topic to the next uh, sad topic, I want to talk to everybody uh, about death and mortality because people are dying every day. And it seems like this is just something that everyone is doing these days, is dying. Not everybody, but it, it seems like eventually everybody's going to die at some point in time. That's what I'm starting to realize as I get older. Um, and uh, it's just a, a part of life. Dying, I guess, is just a, one, one part of life. And so I, last week, had the misfortune of attending a shiva house and i saw some behavior there that needs to be called out here in the jewish community and i will use my podcast as a forum to make it known so there are certain behaviors or customs traditions that i think one ought to consider when in a shiva home and i'm going to refer to this as shvetiquette which is short for shiva etiquette number one if you have to eat in a shiva home even though when you're eating in a shiva home, you are literally taking food out of the mouths of orphans and widows because that's what you have in a shiva home. The first thing is you want to walk around the kitchen because you just got back from battle and you're wearing armor and you must eat something. I get it. If you are eating a bagel, though, st stay away from the vegetables. That's a little too much. If you need a schmear because you just don't want to go have a bagel by, by yourself all alone, I get put a schmear in it. But... You don't put the vegetables inside of it. This is a shiva home. Again, there's widows, there's orphans. You're taking, you're taking that from them. The second thing is don't open up the freezer. It's not your house. These people are just trying to mourn. Now, the other thing is it's possible that if you open up the freezer, the deceased will fall out of the freezer. And that's just because they haven't made arrangements yet with the funeral home. So you have to be very careful. The other thing is when you're saying hamakam yinachem eschem, if you're eating a flaky Danish, and some of the flakes now start to, you know, fly off your face onto the mourner. That's just disrespectful. So please don't do it. The next thing to talk about is I am outraged over uh, Florida politics once again. And I thought I share some conservative values as well as some liberal values. But something which has to be seen is I, I don't, I'm really not a big fan of Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, now uh, banning cell phone, uh, cell phones in general for women. I think that women uh, make up 50% of society, and this is, this is setting us back thousands of years. For thousands of years, women have been able to have cell phones, and he's now saying, no, no woman, no cell phone, and I don't like it. The other thing is, is that uh, last month he banned driver's license for women, I, I can see myself potentially understanding the logic there, but I do think it's discriminatory. But uh, the no cell phone ban for women by Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, absolutely not. At this point, I'm not going to be voting for him. Now, we talk about hierarchy in the Jewish family, and I do agree there ought to be equality between husband, wife, spouse, but at some point in time, there is a hierarchy in the family, and it's not husband, it's not wife. It really depends, and it showcases itself strictly during a fast day. Here, let me explain. During a fast day, sometimes one of the spouses will not be fasting. Often it's the woman because she's either nursing or pregnant or both at the same time, and you can't fast while you're doing that. Now, at that point in time, when the husband is fasting and the wife is not fasting, 
there is a hierarchy as it pertains to napping during the day. At that point, the husband has the advantage because he's fasting, the wife is not fasting. And in fact, sometimes the wife may even have a little guilt that she's eating, even though, again, she's supposed to be eating, and the husband is not eating. Now, if that ever is an issue in your house and there is an argument about who gets to nap, what, what I do is I look at my spouse in the eye and I say, I'm going to nap now. You're not going to nap now. Are you mourning for the base amygdash? I'm mourning for the base amygdash. You're not mourning for the base amygdash. You're eating a sandwich, so I get to nap right now. I want to talk a little bit about my iPhone. I have a very old iPhone. It's from 2014. Uh, I would have an older iPhone, but the one before that broke. Just want to talk about some of the uh, one advantage of having a very old iPhone is my kids less and less choose to borrow my phone because everything is super slow and broken. Now, my wife has a much newer iPhone, of course, and so sometimes they're like, this phone is terrible. We're going to use mommy's phone. So just a suggestion as you're thinking about upgrading your phone, you may want to reconsider because, again, it'll make it, you know, the older your phone is, the less attractive it'll be for your kids borrowing your phone. My iPhone is so old that when I finally get it to charge, because it's not, depending on its mood, it's kind of uh, crotchety, it's, it's kind of old, so I have to, like, turn it around and blow into it like it's an old Atari or Nintendo, uh, and so when it, it gets dysregulated very easy, my old iPhone, especially when it's charging, and so sometimes my kids will walk into the room and I'll be like, hey guys, shh, keep it quiet. Tati is charging his iPhone, it's very old. If you guys scream too loud, it will start charging because that has actually happened in the past. Now, we wanna pivot quickly to a quote from a self-help book. I know that a lot of fellow listeners need a lot of help just like me. And I read a lot of self-help books. And uh, this one was from Psycho-Cybernetics. I wanna read you a quote from it. I said last week I do it. It's on page 63, talking about curing your inferiority complex. And this feeling of inferiority comes about for just one reason. We judge ourselves and measure ourselves not against our own norm or par, but against some other individual's norm. When we do this, we always, without exception, come out second best. But because we think and believe and assume that we should measure up to some other person's norm, we feel miserable and second-rate and conclude that there is something wrong with us. The next logical conclusion in this cockeyed reasoning process is to conclude that we are not worthy, that we do not deserve success and happiness, and it would be out of place for us to fully express our own abilities and talents, whatever they might be, without apology or without feeling guilty about it. Then just jumping to page 65. Stop measuring yourself against their standards. You are not them and can never measure up. Neither can they measure up to yours, nor should they. Once you see this simple, rather self-evident truth, accept it and believe it, your inferior feelings will vanish. It is a great book, highly recommended. It was given to me by a friend who has given me some other gifts. First of all, he gave me and my son, when my son was born, these monkey hats that we would wear. Uh, in, in the cold weather in Seattle. And it's always great to have a hat that reminds you of evolution and where we come from. And the next thing he also gave to me is a full Rambam Lam set, which I actually use. It has his name in it. One thing, a uh, gift that he gave me, which was not the best, was he gave me a little outfit 
Miami Dolphins outfit when my kid was born. And at that point, basically, the, the goal is to remind my son when he's wearing those pajamas that his father and him potentially vote for a terrible football team and a terrible franchise. Dolphins fans have something equivalent to Trump derangement symptoms, but it's kind of with the Dolphins. They think that every year the Dolphins are going to win. The Dolphins owner just got in trouble for cheating, and that's the big difference between the Patriots and the Dolphins, where the Patriots cheat, but at least they win. The Dolphins, they will cheat. They still can't figure out how to win any games. And if it does sound like I have deep-rooted childhood issues from the Miami Dolphins, it is because I absolutely do. And if you talk to anybody who's still a Dolphins fan today, they're clearly living the big lie, uh, thinking that this is the season. So as we're going to talk about soon, this is tuition contract signing season, which comes with a lot of um, financial anxiety and overall anxiety. As a result, I have to sling some more ads here and manifest more ad revenue. So I will have to do an ad read right now. I want to thank our sponsor or one of our sponsors this week, Netflix, for sponsoring our podcast. Let me read the ad. Do you have children? Have you come to the realization that you also have to give them attention? And obviously that's something you, not, you don't want to do. Well, let me tell you about Netflix. We, as in Netflix, are working hard to get your children hooked and glued to the television. What do we charge? What, like $20, $30 a month? That's an hour of a babysitter. And like this, your kids can watch literally 10, 15 hours a day, all for the price of like $20, $30 a month. Plus, with a babysitter, you're going to have to beg them to come, and they're just going to sit on their phone and look in your pantry. Like this, we don't come into your house, and you don't have to beg us either. I want to tell you some features that here at Netflix we are working very hard and diligently on to make sure your children watch as much TV as possible. First of all, we've instituted a new feature that you can go from episode to episode. So if you have a kid who doesn't really know how to work the remote, don't worry. Once an episode of Daniel Tiger finishes, it'll really start actually the next episode and it'll go on and on. Remember, we have tens of seasons. And so you can literally put your kid in front and literally set it and forget it. That is your kid. It'll go right into the next episode. The second thing we want to tell you about is we have a carousel now for kids. Uh, and the idea is we will have or enable more discovery of shows. So let's say, again, your kid doesn't have a, an imagination or doesn't know how to write or search for stuff, don't worry. We have a carousel that will uh, flash all these stuff in your kid's face, all the new shows we're working on, so it makes it very easy for him to go down a rabbit hole and to watch something else. The, the last thing we want to say is we are, as much as possible, removing any shows for kids that have dialogue and words. Uh, we're just going to make it much easier for kids to be able to watch and zone out. We feel that adding... A lot of words and big words might add to their mental development. And, of course, we re-hear re Netflix don't want that to happen. So, again, we're going to remove as many shows with dialogue. It's just going to be basically kids grunting and dancing around. Now, if you use the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast code at checkout, save 15% off for a full season. We will have another ad and another sponsor. I'll get to that soon. 
on the topic of TV, I will say it is mind-numbingly refreshing sometimes to watch television. My favorite show that I'm watching right now, other than Indian Matchmaking, which is a great show on Netflix, is Say Yes to the Kapata. And that is where guys that are about to get married go down into a basement, and there's a guy with a red beard trying to sell them a kapata, and friends are kind of huddled, and a guy tries on a kapata, and he comes out, and he's like, I don't know, you know, can you, do you notice my waistline here? Do my shoulders look very puffy? Like, how does my overall figure look in this kapata? And the friends are going, Ephraim, Ephraim, just take the kapata. And Ephraim says, yes, I'll take the kapata. It's a really good show. I recommend you check it out. Uh, next thing. Today is Friday. That's when I'm recording it. It's Erev Shabbos. I have a custom every Friday to tear toilet paper from my house. Why don't we have tissues in the bathroom on Shabbos? Very easy, because we live in Florida. The sewer systems, a lot of places are old. We can only handle single ply. And so there's no such thing, to my knowledge, as single ply tissues that are not gonna stuff the toilet. So we have to take single ply rolls of toilet paper, cut them. It's a tradition, it's very Zen-like. I do this Arab Shabbos, and I am doing it by hand. Now, a couple of things to mention. Why do I do this? Because I personally have a hero complex. I want to be the hero. I can't think of anything that is more heroic than making sure that my family and the guests to my house have fresh cut toilet paper for Shabbos. The other thing is that it gives me a lot of leverage. So first of all, if somebody's visiting my house, if they buy a nice gift when they come to visit and stay with us for Shabbos, I will dole out a little extra toilet paper for the room because I'm in control because I'm the toilet paper cutter. The next thing is, if I see a guest, he's not cleaning up the table after a meal and he's just letting me do it and pretending to carry on a conversation or just pretending like he's still eating, even though I know he's really not eating anything, he just wants to clean the table, what I will do is I will sneak into his room and remove a lot of the Shabbos toilet paper. So there's a flip side to that too. And it gives me a lot of power. Now. Uh, I just wanted to share a story. Then I went to Yeshiva in Brunois, which Brunois, by the way, for anybody who's gone or has heard about it, we need to do a whole season on Brunois and get uh, a bunch of mental health professionals and other uh, professionals on to discuss it. But in Brunois, the way it used to be, I hear it's not like that anymore, is once a week, the Yeshiva would give each bacher two rolls of toilet paper. They were pink, too. Now, there was a student in yeshiva, and his first name is Matol. We don't have to say his last name. I was actually in touch with him recently. And Matol has a heart of gold, and he established a gamach, a free loan society for toilet paper. So basically, when you get to two rolls, we would keep one for ourselves because you always have to have a, a roll of toilet paper. The second thing is the second roll we would give to Matol, and Matol would keep it in a locker. And sometimes you'd see people running over to Muttal because they were running to the bathroom. And of course, the Shiva would not put toilet paper in the bathroom because if you put toilet paper in the bathroom, you know what can happen. People will just start using it. So they would instead just give out two rolls to people. And so Muttal had a toilet paper gamach and everybody would keep one. And I would always tell Muttal that this is personifies gemilos chasadim shel emes. This is eternal kindness because like you know, servicing or doing a tahara for a dead body, 
it's not something you can ever pay back. If somebody borrows your toilet paper from a gamach, you're not giving that back to the person when he's done. It's used, it's finished. You know, there's no payback on it. And so that is the Brunois story. If you're ever in my house, Arab Shabbos, and want to do this ritual with me, I'm usually listening to a true crime dateline, and then I'm also cutting toilet paper. I am curious if anybody other than myself starts to experience an itch in their leg starting Shabbos afternoon, and it's because you want to start using your cell phone, but Shabbos is not over for a couple of hours. So for me, it's you know 6, 7 o'clock, and all of a sudden I feel it on the top of my knees, and it starts moving upwards closer to where my pocket is. And there's just kind of like a tingling there until Shabbos is over, but I do get that up-the-leg feeling of, hey, I can use my phone soon, but not quite yet. Uh, my body is feeling that sensation. Now we're going to talk about a social stigma within the community. And I want to, this is an ethical question. And my question is, do you think it's fair for families to be discriminated against, like a bacher or a girl of marriageable age, if the family is known to not take antidepressants or anxiety medication? Like, should those families be written off like, you know, people who are non-vaxxers. And, you know, there's a stigma attached to that family is like, hey, these guys clearly, you know, they haven't been diagnosed with anything in the DSM. They're just roaming around the world without, you know, popping SSRIs in the morning. You know, the, you can't find a Xanax in their house. You know, who, who do they think they are? These are not people that we should take seriously. Personally, I don't think there, there ought to be discrimination. Uh, I also don't think people should be shy about it. Like if a family chooses not to take, you know, depression medication or anxiety medication, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. Uh, eventually, you know, families come around, they'll make the right decision. Uh, and, but, you know, that's just my thought about it. And I'm so curious uh, if, if, you know, what, what your thoughts are on the, the topic. And, uh, you know, because again, a family that's more, you know, taking, everybody has mental issues. The question is, has it been diagnosed? Are you doing something about it? And so, you know, again, there, I guess there is a small subset at this point, maybe two, 3% of the community is not, not doing uh, some form of medication. And uh, let's hope everybody ends up making the right decision. We talk about now JetBlue has purchased Spirit Airlines. There's definitely a lot of Jews who feel offended. They're like, uh, I've been flying JetBlue for years. As a Jew, I have mosaic status automatically because I put a lot of stuff on my credit card and I travel a lot. I really wish the airline would have called me in advance, just give me a heads up that it was happening. But uh, now I hear that JetBlue next week is making a bid for Greyhound Bus. Uh, I guess to add it in the family of brands, so we'll have JetBlue, Spirit, and then Greyhound Bus. I also heard there's they're exploring a uh, merger and acquisition with the Salvation Army. And so what was known to be a really great high-end brand for a while, JetBlue, is slowly uh, starting to get into bed with brands Spirit, Greyhound, and now the Salvation Army. I'm not sure what I think about that. I hope I can use my mosaic status in Salvation Army, for example, maybe there's a separate line that I, pay, I can pay for stuff in Salvation Army. 
uh, and maybe I get a free shopping cart when I go there while I walk around the store. So the next thing I want to talk about is marriage advice. This advice, I'm going to give it to men, and it's for dealing with your spouse. And it's something that I have to work on all the time, and I'm just sharing it with you because I have a podcast and because I care. Your wife is not an errand. What that means is when you come home in the evening, if your schedule is, you know, come home, say hello to the kids, eat dinner, put the kids to bed, then do your shiurim, go outside, walk a little weed, and then come back inside, and then clean up the kitchen, and then empty the dishwasher, do some work, go into your room, brush your teeth, floss your teeth, say shema, get negavasar, go into bed, watch a little TV, check email again, and then it's time to say, hello, I'm married. How's my wife doing? You had a good day? I am so tired. Just did all these things. And uh, can we catch up maybe? Because in maybe 10, 15 minutes, I'll be going to the kitchen. I'll be grabbing some food. Then I'll be doing a second flossing. Can I schedule you in for five minutes after the second flossing? We'll talk about your day and about what to do. I've tried doing this for years. My wife has picked up that she's kind of on the bottom uh, quadrant of things that Shmuel does in the evening. And so my recommendation is don't look as your, to, at your spouse as just another item that needs to be checked off on your list. Prioritize her more. You know, potentially engage in conversation or even make eye contact when you come through the door immediately. Or say, you know what? I have a hectic evening. I'm going to spend 10, 15 minutes with you just to get you out of the way. And then, you know, maybe even later after my second flossing, We'll get together. We'll talk about the different tasks and chores that we've each been assigned because we are co-founders of this little family that we have going on. Uh, I just want to say, as an introvert, the most thrilling thing my spouse could ask me is, what are you thinking right now? Nothing makes me feel more loved and cherished than knowing that my wife, when I'm trying to have a moment to myself and be in my head that my wife just wants to crawl in there and see exactly what I'm thinking. And so sometimes, you know, that's an honest question. I, I don't know always what I'm thinking before that question. I know sometimes when I do get that question, I, I start thinking about uh, my exes or people that I've dated in the past. I'm like, mm, that's such a great question. Would these other people ask me that question? Sometimes I'm like, uh, when that I get asked that question, I'm like, should I just pack a bag and, and run away for a month. These are just great questions that my spouse asked me. And again, there's there's no, I, I just love being asked that question just in general. I, I wonder if you do as, as well. So uh, I have one more ad read to do, and that is from casper.com. We haven't had them on the show for a while, but uh, I thank the marketing team at Casper for getting in touch with me again. Are you having trouble sleeping? Uh, do tuition bills have you up at night, tossing and turning? Have you ever asked yourself, I wish there was a way that I can buy a mattress on the internet? Now, let me tell you about Casper. My wife and I bought a mattress from Casper. I actually surprised her with it. She hated the, the, uh, the whole experience. They took it back. 
but it was an amazing experience overall. There were big people that came with a large truck schlepping a massive uh, mattress. It was thrilling in its own right, and it cost us nothing at the end. Let's face it, people. Dinosaurs buy mattresses in a physical store. But if you're in 2022, going into 23, you buy a mattress online. And if you don't like it, the company will take it back. Go to casper.com, enter coupon code the Shmuel Tenenhaus Podcast, and you can save between 60 to 80%, just depending on if the promotion was set right on their end. 60 to 80%. Thank you. The last thing is that I'll uh, conclude with is right now, as I alluded to, is tuition contract signing time. There's a time for all Jewish families, parents to experience trepidation. Hey, we're going to make this large financial commitment to an institution. And what I want to recommend and coach you on is, first of all, if you're feeling that anxiety, it's okay. You're not the only one. Second of all, potentially a way to deal with it is inhale and exhale very slowly. Do that 100,000 times. Come back to me. Tell me how you're feeling. It should be okay. I want you to think rationally. Don't do anything irrational. Sit down with your spouse and figure out how you're going to make this work. First of all, is there any furniture in the house that we can sell? Do we want to pawn the TV? The kids are watching a lot of Netflix. We've been discussing about it. We need to get rid of screens. Perhaps this is a twofer. One, we can get rid of a TV. And two, we can pawn it and make some money to pay tuition. The other thing is, do you remember when you were younger and you your tooth started to hurt and you got a gold tooth? Can we extract a gold tooth at this point because the price of gold is going up and maybe you can sell that little gold nugget and we can make do on our payments for tuition. Like I said, it's going to be great. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful life. It's been nice knowing everybody. We'll be back, God willing, next week for new stuff. Please enjoy the interview with my friend, Shlaimi Nelkin. Welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. This is in the middle of the podcast, so Welcome a second time to the podcast. With me in my fictitious studio is a real guest in flesh and blood. His name is Shlemy Nelkin. Shlemy, say hi. Hey, everybody. Here in the studio. The fake studio. So Shlemy Nelkin is a real person, like I mentioned. He is uh, very knowledgeable in some of the finer luxuries of life, some, you know, many things I have no idea about. Also, in this podcast, we've talked about cannabis in the past, but there's a lot of vices that we really haven't delved into. And Shlaimi is the curator and the owner of the Bearded Review, or Bearded Review on Instagram. Curator, reviewer, owner, CEO. I don't know what other titles I could Analyst. Analyst, uh, researcher. And any other title that's involved there. Okay, amazing. And uh, so Shlemy has a channel on Instagram. You should check it out. And on his channel, he reviews any sort of alcohol, including moonshine, kosher moonshine. And in addition, also cigars and also Rolexes. 
How did Rolexes get into the mix? That I'm so curious about that because it's not a vice, really. I mean, maybe it is. So actually, watches is the biggest vice you could have. A cigar is twenty dollars, five dollars, two dollars, and then you move on. A watch is actually a whole lot more expensive. The original idea of the Bearded Review, when I sat down and thought of it, was to be a sort of a men's corner. So cigars, watches different alcohols, anything that really, you know, um, could be a vice that was legal, I guess. Um, and the popular watches are Rolexes, but there's other watches there as well. Okay, interesting. I do see a lot of uh, Rolexes that are reviewed on your channel. Whose Rolexes are those? Ooh, tough question. So, um, as the of truth now... Because you're on the Shmoltenhouse podcast. Uh, as of now, mine. Um, but... You know, there's only so many watches that I can afford to have. So there are actually a couple very generous people with great collections who have offered that up for us to review. Okay. And now because you probably keep them in your house, if you could just share what your home address is for internet listeners, just in case they want to come by and take a look at your Rolexes. I'm just joking. You don't have to do I that. I think publicly I would say my address <laughs> is your address. Okay. Uh. Thank you. They're, they're going to be very disappointed when they show up. All I have is my wedding watches which don't work, wedding watch and one other watch. So, first of all, you, I noticed when Shlemy walked in here, which is very consistent with his channel and the ideas that he's into, he's got multiple cell phones. When you see somebody with multiple cell phones, uh, you know that they're in a different level than you because I have one and they have two. And second of all, do you ever call yourself from one phone to the other? I have lost one phone and I tried to find it. Usually it's on a silent or dead one. It's that case and then it doesn't work. So it doesn't really help for that. Uh, but it could help you get out of a terrible meeting or seeing somebody at a wedding that you don't want to. So you could text yourself or call yourself and your phone suddenly rings and then you could bounce. Okay, that's a, that's a good strategy to have for going to, to a meeting. So I want to walk me through it's like the inception of the Bearded Review. How did that get started? One Shabbos afternoon, I'm sitting... You were recording on Shabbos? Uh, no, this is pre-recording. Okay, pre-recording. pre-recording, sitting with a very creative guy, uh, my brother-in-law, Label. And we're just discussing... Label the author. Label the author. Okay, the dog owner. Dog owner, wow, okay. author, um, cigar smoker, and a connoisseur in many finer things in life. And we were just discussing an idea that somebody should put together sort of like a Rob report, but without anybody pulling strings. So, you know, there's no, oh, you know, we have advertisers, they're going to say what you should do. And it would probably be a lot of fun. So I, I was never that active on social media. Sunday morning, I opened up a Instagram account, posted my first picture and started just taking videos. And we went from there. So far, it's like, about a year and a half in, maybe a little more. And this was this around uh, COVID time? Yeah, it was COVID. Thankfully, I, I wasn't, I didn't lose my job or anything, but everybody was just looking for another outlet, I guess. And it worked out. Okay, amazing. Uh, so what is, uh, how do you keep this channel of reviewing vices from your wife? Like one day she's going to find out, you know that. I don't think she follows me. Okay. Um, I, I mean, she definitely knows about it at this point. Um, I should have tried to hide it from her and see how long it does take. 
but uh, too little, too late at this point. Most underrated kosher wine? Oh, there's a thousand of them. Big, there's a big problem in kosher wines. Most people, they go into the store, they just want to see something familiar, pick it up, drink the same thing every week, never get creative, never taste anything new. There are so many underrated bottles that are just not from the big labels, so people don't drink them. Um, you know, one example. Just give me one example. First thing comes top of mind. One example. I mean, there's in def- different different price points, but let's say there's a bottle from Natofa, which is in northern Israel. So their bottles are around. They have one bottle called Natofa d'Or, which is um, French for gold. And somebody poured me a glass once uh, in his backyard as we're smoking cigars. I was shocked. Just popped the bottle, didn't aerate, nothing, and it was amazing. So that I think that's an underrated bottle. It should probably be $80, $85, and it's probably 40 So that's, I mean, it's still a, a, a pricier bottle, but definitely um, something great bang for your buck. Okay. On the flip side, what is the most overrated kosher wine bottle in your opinion Uh, i'm sure there are many of those there are (laughs) there are many of those i'm actually i don't know when this is coming out if it's before or after my most recent review but um i just shot a review um for a bottle called uh, the cave hamara it's this uh, israeli bottle another israeli bottle it retails at least in south florida for like 110 bucks it should probably be 40 dollars um big heavy glass bottle it's good but it's probably the most overhyped overpriced overrated kosher bottle of wine in the last 10 years that's incredible i hope the people from uh, the cave are in their cave right now figuring out what to do with this pr nightmare they have on their hands right now i, I was they I, just got fleeced i actually had dinner with the uh pr guy for the company that for their distribution company last night. I, I didn't tell him I was reviewing it. Okay. So uh, you have a tagline on your Instagram account that says, let's go for the nose. And you have a lot of videos where I see you putting your nose in the cup. I'm sure th- that has to do with smelling it and getting a sense of the quality. But my question is, what are your thoughts on nose shots? Like, can somebody take a little, you know, rum or gin through the nose and what is that experience like uh it would probably burn like hell <laughs> but nose shots is something we could probably try do you um, know of anybody that does it i know somebody who who does a lot of snuff um, okay i think that's the closest to no shots if you if you stick your nose in i've actually seen people um get uh pretty shocked when you're drinking like these high proof alcohols you stick your nose into the glass and they just take a huge sniff and it, it goes straight to your head. Um, it burns. So I'm guessing no shots. You're going to need to have some, uh, you know, legit thick skin to get through that. Probably help clearing people's allergies, though. It, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always open to trying it. Uh, it, could, it could clear allergies, sinus infections. I mean, this could be the next thing recommended by 9 out of 10 doctors. To cure COVID. It, the COVID, it'll for sure cure. And monkeypox. 
monkeypox, you're going to need a little more than a nose shot. And inflation. <laughs> inflation. I'll tell you why. Because if bottles of alcohol are going up in price, if you consume it through your nose, you're going to be consuming less of it. So the, the price hikes is really not going to bother you as much. I, th- I think they should add alcohols anonymous, maybe. You know, if somebody's trying to quit drinking, he should start doing no shots. I think he'll pr- quit pretty quickly. So next question. You were telling me that there's a through your channel, you're in touch with people. They have a reserve bottle called Kiddush Club. Yeah. Tell, tell us the secrets. So there's this group of, I think it's four or five guys out of Toronto that are really into scotch. They're fine um, schmeckers? Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 should try no shots. Um, they're they're legit really into it. travel to Scotland every year. Um, you know the tours. The so they there's a concept in the alcohol world to do a barrel pick. So you go to let's say the distillery or the winery, the brewery, wherever you go, whichever denomination of alcohol, and um, you taste a bunch of them, you like one, and then you white label it. You could put any label you want. You could do, you know, the Schmuel Tenenhaus uh, Kiddush bottle. And depending on what type of alcohol it is, depending on the size of the barrel, you get two to 300 bottles um, of, let's say, scotch. So this group, that's they, they actually have great taste. They put out, they started this company called Bellier and Day. Uh, I think that's the name of it. They made a Kiddush Club edition a couple times now. I think they have first edition, second edition. They make a bunch of Jewish bottles. They're from guys from Toronto. They have a Hanukkah edition, Purim edition. Do they, is it for retail or just collector's item? So because it's very limited, um, the way that they do it is they make a... Uh, you need to sign up to their emails and when they come out with an email, when they come out with a bottle, they send out an email blast. Hey, we have it. Let us know if you want one. So I right away reply, you know, send me two. And I try, I open one. And, you know, the last couple that I opened were really amazing. How much do they retail for? Honestly, I don't remember. Also, it's... it's uh, money means nothing to you. Money means... Uh, m- money, I don't want to say it means a lot, uh, but it doesn't mean nothing. Um, it's definitely... Uh, you don't want to waste it, but they... I think it's a couple hundred pounds, maybe. I, I don't remember. They do a lot of... They, they also did like a charity bottle for Hatzala once for this... Um, I think that was them as well um, for this Hatzala in England. So they made like 250 bottles... Uh, we opened that Kiddush Club one. That one was pretty good. Everybody liked it. Did you have it at the Kiddush Club? Yeah, I brought it to the Kiddush okay. Club. Are yeah. you allowed to drink Kiddush Club Reserve not at the Kiddush Club? I think they need to make a Kiddush bottle. That way, you know, there's no, like, cross-contamination. You don't want the shul to complain that there's, like, Kiddush Club alcohol at the Kiddush. Or Got it, because there's mixing. Yeah, or they're just happy to get free alcohol. Okay. How for so for cigars a whole animal unto itself another high class thing which I know nothing about. How much money does a person legally need to have to smoke cigars without, you know, without just pretending to be somebody that he's not? Um, I mean, the truth, the truthful answer would probably be it depends if there's state income tax in that state. So you know, there could be a big difference. Um, I. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, 
I, I think enough for your debit card to go through to buy the cigar. Yeah, because um, I've seen, you see sometimes homeless people, they were consuming all sorts of drugs, but you never see somebody destitute on the street smoking a cigar. It tells you right away that there is a barrier to entry. Uh, there, there are the alleyway cigars, um, alleyway cigars, uh, mooch sticks, the cheap cigars. I mean, you can get really cheap, not like Swisher Sweets, but like, um, I think there's a cigar called like Bone Shaker or something. It's like a dollar a stick. So that's... Are they thick or are they thin? No, they're pretty thick. Yeah, they're, they're terrible um, and don't smoke well. But they're... Um, Swisher Sweets, I see their stuff all the time on the street. Are those cigars too? No. But I'm saying like it's just another form of rolled tobacco. Okay. I mean, Swisher Sweets are, you know, sometimes they empty it out and fill it with other things also. Yeah. Okay. I've definitely seen wrappers for Swisher Sweets all the time. So uh, any from the work that you do, any brand collaborations or any brand outreach that people are like reaching out to you from certain brands or not quite yet? I've had a bunch of brands reach out. Um, had a bunch of brands reach out. I'm trying to figure out the best way to, you know, to go about it. Um, a couple brands in the past that I that I dealt with, um, that we were in the talks or, you know, a bunch of brands have sent me stuff to try. Um, you know, free bottles, free, uh, mostly free bottles. Um, and, you know, one of them sent me a bunch of bottles and they're like, you know, can you just say say this in the review, say that. Then I said, if you want, I could ship back the bottles um, or I'll just do an honest review. It's just, it takes the fun out of it. I mean, you want to just be able to say whatever you want. Did you ship it back or? No, I drank all of it. Okay. How was it, by the way? Uh, some of it was really good. A couple bottles were pretty terrible. Um, but, you know alcohol okay another question just with regards to kiddish club and shul and alcohol any thoughts on shuls either doing a fundraiser or paying to have the walls and the floors made out of rubber so that people can drink with reckless abandonment without having to worry about like banging their head and getting a concussion it might be easier to get everybody like those uh boxer helmets you know that the the padded padded things so like this you know you could you could hit somebody but that's just with your head i'm just talking about other type of bodily in injuries that you could prevent by having let's say uh again a padded wall padded floor padded wall um i think they should first opt to fundraise and get good alcohol then people are going to want to drink with abandonment and then you go for the padding People will be more willing. One guy gets hurt. The next week, he'll give a nice donation to pad the walls. Okay. Which leads me to another topic. In addition to the fact that Shlomi reviews all sorts of luxury alcohol and luxury items for smoking, Shlomi is the innovator behind the lockers in our shul, which are very nice. They look like cherry casks, pretty much. I don't know if that was the theme. My question is for you. There, there's this old adage which says or dictates, yeder kakar hatalakar. And my question is, is that an unfair stereotype? I, 
you know what? I, I think it's real. Um, you see, right when we released, we sent out a message, um, you know, that we're doing, uh, we're putting out these, these um, new lockers. Yeah, their cocker wanted a locker. I mean, there, there were people running from everywhere. Deposits, you know, they want to pay for it. They want to get it first. Give me a tall one, a short one. Um, so I really think that... Uh, you know, it's a big communal impact for the cockers that don't have a locker. But somebody could be a cocker without a locker, right? Yeah, but then he's... Ha- Can you be a cocker without a locker? That's, that, that's what I'm, I'm wondering about at the end of the day. I mean, the jury's out. But um, they should probably put more... There are a lot of cockers in town. We should probably install another whole wall of lockers. Okay, maybe in Hollywood. Hollywood Lakes. Okay. How old were you when you had your first cigar? The truth. Um, I mean, I know my mother's not going to listen to this. Um, probably f- probably 14 or 15. Did you catch a buzz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I probably, uh, I think I tried to inhale it also. Coughed for a few minutes. Um, but... Yeah, I tried then, and then probably didn't try for a while after coughing. Um, then later on, more like when I was around legal age, 17, 18, um, then I, I delved into it a little more. I think it could be this will be my final question about cognacs. Which cognacs are kosher? So Careful. Yeah, this is... Once you start asking about what's kosher, what isn't, it becomes that this is, you know, this is where the uh, where it gets a little dicey. So honestly, there are a bunch of companies that uh, do kosher runs, but no cognac. Pretty much every cognac that is kosher has. By the way, my friend went to Mexico. Yeah, he came back with the runs. Okay, two last questions here. I know I said last question before. On Instagram, how often do you post or do reviews? So uh, I've been laying a little low for the last uh, little bit, but I try to have about three reviews a week. And then what I do is also, uh, you know, just um, posting of random stuff, you know, different uh, eating out or watches, anything with food or uh, consumption related ideas um hopefully a few a few days a week okay i had a different question to ask but i guess i'm going to switch my question which is when the people that i know that smoke cigars also like to drink scotch at the same time it's like a horse in a carriage type situation how did that how did they how did that come together goes really well it's like uh french fries and ketchup Wow, is that so? Yeah, it just it just works. I mean, so you're saying if you have just a cigar, it's momish like eating plain ketchup. No, there's really good French fries, and then sometimes you want to have with that French fry just enhances it. So you could have a really good cigar and enjoy yourself, um, or you could have a really good cigar um, or a mediocre cigar and have it with an alcoholic beverage, which just makes it much better. Okay. So thank you, Shlaimi, for taking time out of your day, uh, not looking at either cell phone, not texting or calling yourself. 
And uh, the message, I guess, on the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast is to, to uh, if you don't have vices, you know, life is short. Pick one up. Check out Bearded Review, Bearded underscore Review on Instagram. And I was going to ask you, like, how, how dare you say Bearded Review? You have a tiny beard, but mine is smaller than yours. But I don't call myself the Bearded Podcast. People, I actually got a bunch of comments when I started. People like random. I'm talking, you know, some guy from England, some guy from literally all over the place. Like, dude, your beard is tiny. Why are you calling it Bearded Review? You should call it, you know, Tiny Beard Review. <laughs> okay. It's not relevant, you're saying? Irrelevant. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.